going on? Welcome to this episode of The Dealer Playbook, a podcast that explores what it takes to create a thriving career in the retail auto industry. Today, I am delighted to bring you my new pal, Sean Armorer. This dude is a master at building the ideal BDC. You got to hear this. I am excited to dig into this conversation with my pal, Sean Armorer, uh, BDC elite mastermind operations because but 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 before we do this man fashion marketing like like how does one how does one go from fashion marketing first of all what is fashion marketing i'm i'm curious Ah, that's a that's a good question first of all it's many moons ago uh fashion marketing is just basically the study of fabrics and how so it's it's pre-store so uh, like fa- fabrics and how to match things together, how to put colors together, how to sew properly, how to hide the seams. Uh, I live in the nuances. Okay. So, so this, this explains the attention to detail that we're going to be talking about here in just a minute, but it's, it's, yeah, it's beyond detail. It's like, I see every nick and cranny of everything. Oh man. So it must annoy you when you buy a shirt at a store that just the, the <laughs> seams are not lined up properly on the side and the shirt just always wants to sit sideways on you that's a whole other podcast <laughs> it, it annoys me and i didn't even know what it oh, was it that gets, was annoying me yeah it gets thicker <laughs> <laughs> okay so but but now fast forward to today i want to i want you to just kind of take me on your journey just a little bit the reason being is because i i think you know there's a lot of people out there in the industry that go man, you know, I'm a car sales pro and that's all I'm ever going to be. Or maybe I'm working fixed and that's all I, that's the only department I'm ever going to be able to touch. Or this auto industry, there's just no room for growth. Well, in the last 300, call it, and 50 episodes of this podcast, I've interviewed individual after individual who have started, let's call it at the ground, and who have risen to prominence. You are now another voice that is added to echo this, um, doing all of the stuff you're doing today. But I mean, how did your journey start? How did you climb the the ladder, so to speak? All right. Well, we touched up a bit on it. So I graduated uh, in, uh, in uh, fashion marketing. Um, at the time, I was like 26, 27, whatever it was. And um, obviously on my own, I needed to pay the bills. So at the time, uh, I just wanted work. So uh, my little brother at the time was working for one of the larger dealers here in Montreal. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I reached out to him and I said, hey, listen, you know, I, I, I need to pay the bills. So are you guys looking for anybody? And you know what? Just just to touch up a little bit on what you just said about not having opportunities and you'll see how it all ties up. Um, when he said, well, they're looking for washers. And, you know, the, my first reaction and the way I was born, uh, the way I was brought up, excuse me, because uh, uh, divorced family, my mom had three boys, uh, three jobs. So I, I grew up seeing what work ethic was, believe me. Right. So, um, yeah, when, when that opportunity came up, I said, well, listen, it's not who I am. It's my circumstance. Mm. But I guarantee you, I am going to be the best washer they have ever seen. Yeah. Um, so he spoke to the service manager at the time and, uh, yeah, he called me in for an interview. He was actually chuckling. Like when is a washer ever showed up in like a three piece suit kind of thing. So I had a tie and, <laughs> and <laughs> but it, it was important to me. It, it was right. important to me that, you know, I show up and like, I'm here to play Like I show up. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I got the job obviously. And, um, there was no looking back from there. You know what I love about this too is, you know, inherent in this idea of opportunity, we often think that the opportunity, we, we think about the tail end of the opportunity, but not what the actual opportunity is itself. And what I mean by that is most people I think that I've observed would, would look at washing, detailing, whatever, you know, quote unquote, entry level positions. And they would go, there's no opportunity here because they're, they're misaligning the mapping of the opportunity. They're looking at, no, I'm supposed to be running this place, not washing. No, that, that washing, that is the opportunity that, that is the stepping stone that gets you to that next step. 
And so many people frown upon these entry, whatever you want to call them. I don't think it's entry level. I don't think anything is actually entry level. I just think everything is an opportunity. Well, not just an opportunity, but you nailed it because within the the structure of any organization, be it the car world or fortune 500 companies, um, take for example, a fortune 500 company in New York, all high rises, right. 45, 45, 50 floors. How good is that floor going to be if the mail guy that makes 10 bucks an hour doesn't bring the mail up? So I don't necessarily look at it as like um, entry level, like you said, but I look at it very much as a business unit. Yeah. Everything is a parts department, business unit, service, business unit, BDC, business unit, uh, HR, business unit, et cetera, et cetera. So it's all of these things combined that create the culture. And we can talk about that later, but it's all about culture and it's all about, um, it's all about everybody coming together and working towards a common goal. Yeah. I, I was just having a conversation about this exact thing. You know, too many dealerships, businesses look at the concept of culture. So many people are speaking about culture these days about the human benefit of culture. And they think, well, this is just too pie in the sky. And you're really, what I'm picking up here is no, you've realized that there is an actual tangible benefit. There is a tangible um, reality to culture uh, and its impact on an organization and how that organization performs. 100%. I mean, if it's not about culture, then it becomes about making money which is fine. One is sustainable, one is not. Now, what I mean by not, I don't want to be cynical because obviously there's people out there that make a lot of money in their organizations, but let's look at their turnover. Right. You know what I mean? So it's just, if you're, um, I, I do a lot of reading. I don't want to shout out names, but so I'm a heavy, 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 um, student, if you will, unauthorized, but a heavy student of Simon Sinek and uh, his last book, The Infinite Infinite Game, it's so well uh, distinguished that um, culture, it never ends, right? It's an ongoing process. Um, When you look at it as a game or when you look at it as revenues and profit and let's close Q1 as fast as we can get to, well, then all of a sudden there's an agreed set upon rules between various different people to get to a certain a certain destination, if you will. Does that require culture? Yeah. I mean, come in, work as hard as you can, and if you don't make your numbers, you're out. But sure. when you're looking at a career, well, then, yeah, of course, culture is super important, and that's where much of my success has come in the BDC world. Yeah. Well, and, and you had mentioned buy-in. I can remember back in the day, rolling into the auto mile. I was there to, you know, help with some merchandising for this large auto group. And this auto group was notorious for firing the lowest performing salesperson at the end of every month. And yeah, like, and, and that, Hey, that was their culture, but to see the debilitating fear on the looks of the, the team's faces, I, I would leave feeling like I was going to get canned and I had nothing to do with what, what they were, what they were up to, but that became the culture. And then that leads to debilitating fear. Debilitating fear leads to lack of buy-in, lack of trust in leadership, lack of trust in leadership means, dude, I ain't doing a thing. You asked me to do. like, it's this weird, it's this weird catch 22, right? And so yeah. I love that, you know, you're paying attention to culture and it, and its impact on performance and its impact on longevity, right? Like yep. anybody, look, like anybody, it, this this might sound wrong to the, or super douchey to the wrong audience, but dude, this is the DPB gang. They get it. <laughs> anybody can make money. Yeah, exactly. I mean, money, money, money is the result of effort exerted, right? That's it. You can make We're money. All money. We're all, yeah. everybody's making money. Even if you're only making a dollar, you're making money. You so money. Exactly. so you've proven that model works. You've also yeah. proven that it doesn't really have anything to do with your happiness. What right. has what what does have an impact on your happiness is whether or not you actually want to spring out of bed in the morning and show up like like what you just talked about. Like, dude, mm. I show up. Yeah. You know, and there's a big difference between dude, I show up and I'm just here to make some money. Yeah, well, that's all conducive to your environment, right? So Yeah. 
I'm, I've had the luxury right now. I'm going on 18 years in the business this year. It's been quite the journey. Uh, I pinballed off awful, failed my way to success more or less, but I, I learned from my mistakes and I understand also that this is a lot larger than me. It's a lot larger than me. And the, um, how can I say it's the responsibility that I have to my employees. Like currently right now I'm kind of overseeing roughly about 240. Wow. Right. So yeah, I have my BDC, but I've also dabbled in operations because I've been given a certain, um, a certain trust um, by the owners and it's, it's very humbling and I do not take that for granted. And yeah. as you said before, if, if I can touch up on this, because I've been on this whole leadership journey the last three years of my career, because that's totally in the, the direction I want to go in right now. And I, I can't remember where I read this, but it, it just stuck with me. And I affirm this every morning, no word of a lie. So uh, as leaders, we are not responsible for the results, but we're responsible for the people responsible for the results. Yeah. Right. That just blew my world apart when I read that. I'm like, Oh my God. So it is my absolute, um, it is my duty in the morning to, I'm happy. My mindset, like when I said I show up, my mindset is unbreakable. Like my focus unshaken. There is no problems. There's no solutions. I'm the guy people hate on Monday morning. Cause I'm like, yes, TGIM, you know? <laughs> so, um, so what happens is I try to make sure I'm the first one at the building every morning. And before even doing anything, I'm, I'm shaking hands with the, with the mechanics in the back, talking to the jockeys, thanking the, the, the custodian for, for mopping the floor. I even help out no word of a lie. So I'm in it with them. Right. And once they see that, you know, managers or directors, whatever you want to call, right? Leaders, if you will. Once they see that we're in it with them and we're not just in our office with the door closed, sipping on our lattes and stuff like that, it, it gives them a purpose. Yeah. And once they have a purpose or the buy-in as we call it, then it's extremely important as leaders that we give them something to work for. Sure. You know, it's because interesting. Like, you, sorry. It, it's interesting no, you bring that up because when you really think about leadership, it's it's servant. Yes. Right. Like if I think about my children, I have three children under the age of 11. Um, if, if dad goes to work and then comes home and sits on his fanny and doesn't help in the kitchen and doesn't help clean up after dinner and all these sorts of things, I have to understand that I am demonstrating behavior for my children who are mm -hmm. also going to grow up and go to work and come home, sit on their tushy, and and they're going to wonder why they're always like this with their spouse or significant other. And 100%. it's because I'm demonstrating. And so what I love about what you're talking about here is, yeah, it's not just about showing up early. It's about you demonstrating a, a behavior, a pattern for your team to follow um, so that everybody can get what needs to be received out of working for this organization. And I want to mm -hmm. talk about that because we kind of started like, Hey, you started in a completely different area of study. Now your BDC operations, you've been responsible for building some of the largest BDCs in the country. Um, you know, what I think is fascinating about this is because of your mindset and because of what you've been telling me here, what I'm, what I'm seeing is that it's because of this show up and demonstrate performance, demonstrate the right behavior that you've been able to see a career of growth over the last 18 years. And it's available to everybody. Yeah, it is. This, this is not, it's not esoteric and it's not reserved. Uh, if I may, I am one of those guys or one of those people, I should say that I firmly believe that we were all born great. Let me just break that down for a second. Cause I don't want to sound too spiritual. I am, but I, I really like to, as you said before, I live in the details, right? So I'm obsessed with learning. I am obsessed with self-improvement. I am set, obsessed with, um, 
how I make others feel. Sure. That's where I really get my learning. It's not from just reading a book, but I literally go home at night or while I'm in the car because it takes me about an hour just to decompress because I run on 10 all day. Right. Um, so it's very important for me f- to make sure that people understand that they're very much a part of the process. It's beyond important from the washer all the way up to the owners and everybody has a lane to stay in. Just do that and do it as best as you can. Right. And, you know, and just let them know that there are areas of opportunity, but it's a mindset. It really is a mindset. And for anybody listening to this, that's just getting into the business. It's a mindset. So, so, um, what's his name again? Um, who said this best? I I heard this saying, so Confucius, uh, said, he who says he can and he who says he can't are both right. Mm-hmm. So then at that point, make your decision, man, because I'm going to tell anybody coming into this, you can be successful. I, I've done it right for what I, I deem successful. Sure. Uh, but success is intentional and deliberate. And if I have the mindset of, Hey, I'm just a car washer as opposed to, well, I'm going to learn everything about car washing. It's just two different approaches. You are what you think and you are what you attract. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I mean, Confucius says it so much more eloquently than Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, Oscar, the, hey, there's a reason why Oscar the Grouch lived in a garbage can, not a garbage can't. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. And, uh, uh, but but it is totally that, and it does make a difference. You, you know your your comment about like, hey, I'm not responsible for the results. I'm responsible for the people who get the results. I couldn't agree more. And a lot of people miss this. Like as the leader, I'm not responsible to create happiness. I'm responsible to create an environment by which my people can be happy. Right. And and the same goes with success. Like you know. It doesn't matter if other people think I'm successful. They don't know what my definition of success is. And in the dealer world or in any competitive landscape, I don't really freaking care what that other runner is doing or that other dealership is doing or what that other, you know, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter to me because they're they are fighting against their personal best. Yeah. They have their definition of success. I have my definition of success. And the reality of it is, I was just talking about this this morning, like Grant Cardone was asked and the dude, when I first interviewed Grant, he was worth like in the 15 to $30 million range. Now he's well over a billion, right? Did you get some? <laughs> well, not, not by osmosis. Yes. Uh, let's just put it that way by osmosis. Yes. Uh, let's face it. The dude did not have to join me more than four or five times on the show. Um, but the, the thing is, you know, you look at him today, he's worth over a billion dollars and he, in, in his mind, he's only 20% of the way to where he believes mm. he needs to be. Yeah. That leads me to believe that no matter where I'm at, if I'm constantly looking and reaching up, I may perpetually always only ever be 20% of where I want to be. And, and it's that knowledge that's keeps me striving and climbing. You know, I I had a, I had a team member back a few years ago that was like, man, I'm feeling exhausted. I feel like I'm never going to reach the top of this mountain in relation to his work. And I'm like, dude, I don't want you to reach the top of the mountain. If you reach the yeah, top of the mountain, you're out of work. Then what? <laughs> yeah. Then what? That's it. You, there's two solutions here. You, you reach the top of the mountain, you're out of work or you reach the top of the mountain, you suffocate and die. I don't want to get to the top of the mountain. I will enjoy the climb for my entire life. Yeah. You have to enjoy the process. You got to enjoy that journey. So Let's talk about now specifically your experience in BDCs. I want to shift gears a little bit here. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the playing field has been leveled. Opportunity for whoever wants it is, is abundant. Um, my question to you is, there are still many dealers who do not have BDCs. For those that aren't familiar with the acronym Business Development Center. Okay. Um, First off, in a post-COVID environment, what is your, I guess, 
reason why a dealer should be focused on building a BDC? Like, why do you think that's the, that, that we absolutely need this? We can't just have a sales team. It's going to sound a bit biased because I've made my career out of BECs, but that's the whole reason that you invited me on the show, right? That's it. So here, let, let's just get right into it. Yeah. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold back. So first things first, as I said before, let, let, if I can hit it, let's, let's first start off with what let's define a BDC, right? So the core purpose of a BDC is to provide a continuous flow of traffic to the sales and service departments. Okay, that's number one. Uh, it should allow for consistent communication. It should improve customer communication. It should improve CSI. And at the end of the day, it should drive retention, whether it's service or sales. Now, when we're talking about improving, how many go across anywhere in North America and go into any dealership, walk into any salesman's office, and I'm not knocking on salesmen, right? But sure. this is why BDC was created, right? So go into any office. How many messages do you think are on their phone? You know, is it their morning off? Is it their afternoon off? Are they right. gone on vacation? Did they forget to change their voicemail to vacation mode? I can guarantee you that every time that phone rings, somebody in BDC is going to answer it. Yep. Because it's not just because Michael Cirillo has gone on vacation or it's his morning off. What if your morning off is the only day that I could take delivery of my car? Then what? My message just sits in there and then it just piles up with the other 15 messages and then you get back to me two days later. So sure. it's all about the, uh, what I call the, the guest experience or customer experience. I'm a Lexus guy, so <laughs> it's um, the guest experience, right? So uh, first things first, VDCs should be the hub of the operation. Everything should come in and everything should go out from the BDC. Right. Right. Um, so, so number one, th that's what I would say is just to create a guest experience, make sure that the customers are getting answered, making sure that emails are getting answered. So it, it's a consistent answering or a consistent form of communication. That's number one before ROI. We can right. get into that later. Sure. It, it basically a BDC, the, the ones that do have them, they can't just exist. They, they, like a lot of, uh, I don't know if we should jump into this as to why they don't, why they do fail, because it's, it's the opposite spectrum of what we're talking about, but they can't just exist. I've seen it time and time and time again. Yeah, um, you, you have it for the sake of having it, but you don't really know what you should be doing with it. Correct. And in a lot of cases, um, a lot of times, the only time you're going to see the dealer principal at the BDC is when the manufacturer is visiting the dealership and they come up there to, hey, look, I have a BDC. But then after that, you don't see him for or her, excuse me, for like four or five, six months. And it's just emails. Sure. It's like, this is this is yours. It's I said it before, it's a business unit. Right. It's, it generates millions of dollars if properly managed, if properly supported. Now, a BDC, a BDC will only thrive when it is supported. Sure. Yeah. Now, now this makes total sense to me because I mean, I, I'm experiencing it right now. I've got a parts request, quote request. I don't know whatever you want to call it. Into a dealership <laughs> for a specific part for a motorcycle, for, for my motorcycle. Yeah. I have not heard anything back yet. It's been days. I wonder how much they want my business. Uh, now, I know that when I speak to them, the experience is going to be a lot different dealing with them than it's going to be when I'm ready to go buy a new motorcycle. Yeah. Whether I'm ready to finance the motorcycle, like whatever the case may be. And so I love what you're saying here about first and foremost, it creates a uniform guest experience across the board, regardless of the, the business unit or the department that you're speaking of. Right. And in often cases, traditionally speaking, um, technicians or the, the service manager who's a technician by trade, they don't have the hospitality wherewithal. It can be learned, but they don't have well, the hospitality sir. wherewithal to do. So what do you get? Parts department. <laughs> yes. I just want to reach through the phone, dude. I just want to, oh, what are you doing? Or, or, you know, when, when we listen to our clients, you know, phone calls to help them with this sort of a thing and help them understand really what's happening. 
parts department and the customer goes, hi, how are you? Fine. What? Dude, yeah. your process could skin a cat, man. Like what is happening here? Um, you know, versus making everybody and anybody feel like they're receiving this, this concierge level experience, you know, people don't realize what that has to do with it further to that. You know, one of the conversations I was having earlier about Carvana, I mean, my guest pointed out that Carvana really is just a BDC with a website Mm -hmm. and a lot of people dogging on this whole process, but it's because they figured out a BDC process that works extremely well and they're continuing to prove out that concept. And so why wouldn't you have a BDC? Now you mentioned, I don't know if you want to touch on this or whatever. I do want to touch on it. What, in your opinion, in your in your experience over the last eighteen years, what would cause a BDC to fall apart? Four things. Um, I'll start at the bottom, but it's the the first point is the is the real real reason. The three others you can mismatch and put them where you want. And for anybody listening, um, again, not in a cynical manner because I'm here out of service. Right. So um, if any of these four points resonate with you, that's exactly what the problem is. Number one, poorly managed. You get a BDC manager again, not to knock on anybody, but a BDC manager is a BDC manager or BDC director, what you call them. Um, Seldomly it does happen. And I do know a few because I talk to BDC managers every day across North America. Um, But historically, an ex-sales manager or an ex-floor manager that transitioned into a BDC role, again, could it could it work out? Yes, but they would really have to switch their mindset, and they're not in the uh, the field of selling anymore, right? So right. that's number one. Number two, uh, very important, BDCs often fail or fall short when it becomes what it is not. So as I said before, the core purpose of a BDC is to provide a continuous flow of traffic. That's what it is. It's not sales. It's not a credit app place. It's not, um, it's not even a private sale firm. It's not a call center, right? Um, so when it becomes something that it is not, when it loses its focus, like anything else, really, it goes off the rails. Yeah. Uh, the third thing, uh, the third thing, very important, when there is friction between departments or a breakdown in communication, mm. oftentimes more times than not, and over an 18 year period, right? one of the biggest problems uh, outside of ownership, but one of the biggest problems is that sales managers, used car managers, whoever's involved in, um, how can I say, uh, encouraging the, the BDC, they've always seen us as a cost. We're a cost. They're, they're looking at us like, okay, well, I'm paying X thousands of dollars a month towards uh, a bunch of kids that are in a room making calls. They just don't see the value to it. They don't see the benefit of it because a BDC is really designed for long-term follow-up. Sure. Like on a fresh lead, I don't know about everybody else. Everybody has a different cadence, BDC managers. Well, let's say a lead or an opportunity, as I like to call it, more than a lead. But when an opportunity comes in, in my cadence, um, at the end of the day, I, I followed almost on a year until wow. you call me and you say, stop calling me or I bought somewhere else. I mean, we're not now, obviously I'm not calling them every day. And right. you know, as, as the months go, the, the, you'll have the, like a time frame where it decays. Correct. A bit. Yeah, correct. And we, which is our cadence. So yeah, when there's friction between departments, um, that's, that's again, that's number three. And uh, the biggest one, number four, I should say number one, is one ownership is not behind it. Mm. Yeah. Period. And that is the absolute number one driving reason why a BDC fails. Seldomly it's because of the BDC manager, because technically the owner or the dealer, um, the dealer principal hired the BDC manager. Maybe you need to check your hiring process. Um, if it becomes something that is not, are you listening to the BDC manager when he's bringing you the reports? If there's friction between departments, 
why is the BDC manager not being invited to the sales meetings every Monday morning? Right. Why is he just getting an email with the bullet points? This brings up a really good point in that, you know, everybody is racing to some weird idea of what success will look like for them. And so they, you know, there might be a lot of people listening that go, oh man, we need a BDC. And this is where I say, hey, not to burst your butt, like, let's not rain on your parade, but you might need to pump the brakes because you don't actually right now realize what it takes to support this. Like, hey, yeah, I'm a leader and maybe I was behind the idea, but I didn't really understand what it would take to support this. And maybe just organizationally, I'm not there yet, or maybe I am. But like, it really comes down to having this fundamental understanding of what it takes to support a business. It does. It's not go, go down to Palm desert and play golf right after you set up a BDC. Now with that, um, because you've had experience working both inside and as an outside kind of consultant set up, what, do you do to get leadership on board? So you're the BDC rep. So, so there's actually two parts to this, but the first part is what do you do? What's your starting point for, for a dealership? That's like, I want to, I want to open up a BDC and we want to have this department. Where do you, where do you start them with? I start them by making them a part of the process. The first, first thing you want to ask is why, what's your why? Why am I here right now? Not like, listen, I can, Totally sell you a bunch of stuff you don't need. Yeah. That's not who I am. That's not BDC alchemy. Right. Alchemy is making something out of nothing. So let's put our cards on the table. What am I doing here? Like, what, what do you want to fix? What is the problem? And don't tell me we're not making enough money because we've said it before. Money is a result. So that's not why we're here. Why are we here? Yeah. Are the, are the phones not being answered? Uh, are, are we dumping leads or dumping opportunities because we tried to call them once, no one answered, and we dumped it? Statistically, fun fact, 85% of all fresh opportunities only hit on the third attempt. Mm. So anybody right now that says, yeah, well, I got my guys on the floor calling people. Well, <laughs> listen, if you're not getting to at least three, um, yeah, you're, you, you need a BDC, right? Sure. So yeah, um, I, I would ask them what's, what's the purpose? What are they looking to accomplish first? Um, once you get their buy-in, I would take down notes and I'm there, I'm working with them the entire step of the way. The most important thing you have to do at the beginning is to define it. Right. And I'm talking about having a meeting, first of all, with the ownership, let's define it. Let's plan it out. Let's action it and let's execute. Right. So right after we plan it, uh, right after we define what it is, that's typically step one for me. So that's going to be with ownership or dealer principal. Once we want to plan it out, because I have a framework, it's it's a structure that has worked for 18 years. um, That's when we get everybody to the table. Use car managers, service managers, F&Is, uh, sales secretaries, et cetera, et cetera. So then we all work together and they all have an input, but it's, it's useless for me again. Um, Cause you're going to get a lot of pushback again. People look at it as a cost until sure. it starts to work. Yep. Um, but if, if ownership is not behind me in these meetings, it's, it's, it's dead. Looking to hire, uh, I guess a BDC director, right? Cause that's, that, this is usually what happens, right? They're like, we need a BDC. We need to hire somebody to direct the BDC. Mm-hmm. because we know that's the case and because we know now that at, at a minimum, this individual needs to be able to understand their why and create a strategy behind it. What are other things that dealers should be looking for in a BD, somebody to run or start a BDC for them? Okay. So I can give you, I can give you a timeline if you want. I mean, I've been doing yeah. this for a long time. So sure. zero to three years, I'll go, I'll go through it really quick. Uh, zero to three years is a BDC agent. Three to five years, BDC team leader. Five to eight, BDC manager. Eight plus, BDC director. That simple. Got it. So b- walk me through maybe some of the core responsibilities of each of those. BDC cool. agent. BDC agent, um, basically, uh, you're learning your craft. You're learning how to offer an experience. 
you have to understand that this is not a call center. It's not a, it's not a TELUS. It's not Bell. Sure. Um, I'm not knocking on them, but I mean, right. it's not about a quantity of calls. It's about the quality of calls. Again, we have customers and these people are often leasing vehicles for four, five, six, seven years. I never right. even thought I would say it, but I've even seen eight. Right. Remember back in the day, yeah. five was like crazy. <laughs> what are you going to do with the five-year yeah. lease? Dude, yeah. we're talking like zero for 86 yeah, yeah. now. 60 months. Yeah, we're talking about 84. <laughs> or 84. <laughs> yeah, it's been pretty cool. The journey has just been crazy. Anyway, uh, I love it, though. I'm always learning. Um, so, yeah, so your agent is basically going to learn scripting at the beginning. Scripting is extremely important at the beginning just to keep a good consistency. You are the image of the company. We want all the calls to kind of sound the same relatively. Um, yeah. You want to kind of give them creative freedom, but sure. at the same time, you, you want to kind of control it. So, Which makes just, sense because it becomes the measuring stick. Like if everybody's correct. doing something different, then you don't actually correct. know what works or what doesn't work. Data is king, man. Yeah. Data is king. So basically for your agent, you're just breaking your teeth. You're just getting to know, uh, like if you're talking about service, the service cycle, manufacturer recommended services, how to sell an alignment, when to sell an alignment, why to sell an alignment, what's a brake service compared to changing brakes, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Um, once you start getting into the team leader position, three to five years, uh, your team leader is obviously did very well as an agent, right? Because typically speaking in the first three years in the BDC, it's either you continue or you don't. Right. Um, so what happens is the team leader, you have more or less a strangle hold on the, um, on the position of an agent, you're you're operating with them on a daily basis, but you are the go-to person for questions. You're not touching reporting yet because you're not quite there. Sure. Um, now, I'm not saying that they're not good. However, numbers are just numbers if you don't know how to read them. Yeah. Right? So you're coming off the floor. You're coming off scripting. Um, that's really what you excelled at over the last three years. So from three to five years uh, with a good BDC manager, you're kind of teaching the team leader um, the ropes very, very slowly. Slow is fast, right? So you're teaching them the ropes on a little bit of the reporting, but more on the importance of the hiring process, motivating your people, encouraging your people. So you're slowly building that future leader that will become the leader down the road. Yeah. Right. So it's more about developing their soft skills. Sure. When you get to the five to eight, you're a BDC manager. Now you're a part of the projections of you're the wind in the sail. Sure. Okay. Where are we going? You know, so right. everybody's going, what are the numbers telling you? Manage the numbers. So you're doing this, uh, you're able to forecast, you're able to switch or pivot um, very quickly based on the numbers every morning. You're running your service uh, your service reports or your internet leads. So it's actually telling you a story. The numbers have to tell your story. And then uh, once you get to eight plus um, BDC director, that really encompasses, encompasses everything from um, understanding of marketing, understanding the back end, like what's happening over on the, on the sales side. Like what makes a lead go from, one of the vendors into my CRM. Well, it's an XML ADF format. Well, yeah. what does that mean? Well, now they're both different. You really have to deconstruct it and really get your hands dirty and really understand the nuances of how is everything connected? Yeah. How does everything come together? Yeah. Right. So some of the characteristics of a BDC director uh, would be to have empathy because I, I put them down into five things, but it's just my five because I hire a lot of these people. So um, empathy is super, super strong. Number one on my list. Uh, you have to be adaptable. Absolutely have to be adaptable. Uh, you have to be able to influence people. Uh, you have to also uh, be able to develop people. Super important. And then the last one, and most importantly, you have to be intuitive. Mm. Um, I'm at a point right now in my career where I kind of just, uh, how can I say this? I put a lot in my emotional bank account. I do a lot of deposits in my emotional bank account. So I kind of just, I'm at a point right now where I kind of figure it out as I'm going along. 
as opposed to it having to be rock solid, black and white. Okay, this yeah. is the plan. Let's go. M- movement creates clarity. Yeah, motion creates emotion, right? So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I love about this is because the, you've just demonstrated an exact timeline to onboard somebody, but also mm-hmm. provided a roadmap for career growth, something that's lacking, right? Just something that lacks in all industries, but especially this industry. Imagine yeah. if a, if the, the sales manager was able to look at that new hire and say, here's how you're going to become a sales manager. Mm-hmm. Parts, here's how you're going to go from parts advisor to op, parts director. Here's how you're going to go from, you know, entry level, whatever to what, like to show that, you know, demonstrates the ability that we have to grow. The, the only reason there's there's lack of growth in this industry is because somebody didn't take the time to define how you can grow. Mm-hmm. And you've 100%. defined that. You've defined yeah. that. So, and what I also love is that you're feeding them responsibility, um, at, you, you know, in a, in a trickle-down effect so that they can become as good as they possibly can be. And again, I know I'm harping on this a little bit because this is a, a real issue in our industry. You just hire somebody that used to manage social media who was good on the phones, and now you make them your BDC director and say, go build a team. Yep. It's like, no, 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 I'm out. That 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 doesn't work. And of course, they're going to take it like lambs to the slaughter. <laughs> You, did you just give me a hundred thousand dollar a year job? Yeah, yeah. Done. Like a moth to a flame. Like yeah, like freaking mosquitoes to the blue light. Man. Of course Absolutely. they're going to take it, and you can't yeah. blame them. You just made them an offer they couldn't refuse. When really it was like, no, you need to be looking for somebody that's actually got the experience being a BDC manager or director to build a team, and you got to be prepared yeah. to pay them what they're worth to make it happen. Yeah. Interestingly enough, to your point, um, and I've had years and years and years of looking into this. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Do you know the number one in our industry, that is? Right. um, The number one most, uh, how can I say this? The number one factor that costs a dealership the most amount of money is not lost sales. It's probably like lost production. Hiring process. Hiring, pro- yeah. Turnover. Yeah. To, to your point exactly. Yeah. You're going to hire a bunch of people. Let's just talk about the sales floor. Yeah. The first question I would ever ask, because, I mean, I do a lot of leadership stuff, a lot of operational stuff, not just BDC, yeah. but at this point. Right. So one of the things when I'm talking to, to some people about leadership and blah, 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 the number one thing when I go into a dealer where I'm talking to somebody is, what is your onboarding process? Show me the documents. Walk we, me through. We get resumes and we do interviews <laughs> and then we hire. Yeah, and then just Dude, start, I've been yeah. sitting in a dealership. <laughs> I've been sitting in a general manager's office watching them be like, oh, yeah, we just hired that guy. And I'm like, when yeah, did yeah, they come Michael's in? Michael's here. Michael's here. My, Michael's here. Yeah, no. And then they come back in 15 minutes later. I just hired him. He's our new yeah. sales guy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then and then they're and then they're yelling over your shoulder. Hey, did anybody call IT to set him up? <laughs> yeah, no. Thanks, Wait, guys, you guys created the website. Don't don't you set up the emails too? <laughs> and then that's where that's where you go. Ah, oh, shit. Yeah, oh, here we go. Here we go. You know Should've what though? Like, I love this thing about reporting too, because you almost what you just described is the process of of basically getting somebody to become a data scientist. That's exactly what like, I am. Yo, I need to be able to like, okay, cool. Google says this, but here's what my data is telling me. Yeah. You know, I love Google's thousand person data set, but here's what the people in Montreal told me. Here's, here's what the people in Regina, here's what the people in fricking, you know, Doglick, Nebraska are telling mm-hmm. me. This is what my data is showing me. And, and people don't know how to decipher it. And not only that, or, when it comes to marketing specifically, and you're tying to marketing, I, I can guarantee just by talking to you that you're not just looking at last click or first click 
or we ran an ad and the phone rang this many times. It's like, no, we ran an ad and then we looked at a whatever day attribution window is and, oh, we can see that the ad brought this yeah. person back to our site six times and then it was on their seventh visit to our site that they picked up the phone and they called us from this page and 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 now I know how to handle that on the back end. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, what you're talking about right now, not to put anybody into compartments, but sure. uh, th- there is a difference. I call that surface level reporting. Yeah. Hey, what are our analytics telling us? Well, they're telling you whatever Google wants you to know. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and there's nothing bad with that. Don't get me wrong. Teach their own. But to be honest with you, and if I may say it this way, hit it. I get surgical with that shit. Yeah. You but have I to. Get surgical with my data. Yeah. I'm constantly looking for trends. Yeah. And a BDC or the BDC director or the, the department should be in a constant state of transition. Constant state of transition all the time. And how do you do that? Data. Um, there's a lot of what I like to call lip service out there. BDC gurus. And BDC experts and, in this industry. I mean, no, nah, of course not. You know, like, Hey, increase your leads by 25% by giving me a call. I'll show you how to do it. Yeah. Right. So then why isn't anybody, everybody at 25% increase. Right. Right. It's all, it's all like Mickey Mouse stuff. And a lot of times it kind of works. Um, but I'd rather just grab the, the, uh, the bull by its horns myself and learn how to do it myself. I do crazy amount of hours, but I am obsessed with self-improvement, obsessed with self-improvement because, you know, I was listening to a podcast recently and the, the, the host who is uh, one of my, um, I look, I look up to this person extremely. There's a game like quality to this, to life in general, right? There's a game like quality to work. And in this game, like any other game, there's levels to it. And it's up to the person that's playing the game to stop at a certain level or to go to the next level. And it's okay what you want to do. I honestly think that there are no bad people. There aren't. 90% of life for me um, is, well, 10% is what people do to me. 90% Right. 90% is how I react to them. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I, I, I don't hate anybody. I don't even think I'm better than anybody. To me, it's just irrelevant. Hey, the competition's doing this. Good for them. Yeah. I want to up my, my yesterday self. Yeah. That's what's good to me. I don't want to get into this cat and mouse game with the guy down the street. He's not even selling the same product. You don't even know what they want. And so you're, you're going to spend your entire life chasing somebody else's definition of success. And then you're going to be pissed off when you're, when you're, when you're greeting people at Walmart as a 77 year old, right. Wondering like, why, you know, why am I so mad at the world? Right. So you're, you're going to be all pissed off because you didn't get what you wanted in life. And it's because you didn't realize you were chasing somebody else's definition of success the whole time. Correct. Everything that we need is at our doorstep. Everything that we need is at our doorstep. Yeah. It's just that simple. I wake up. Well, not, I try to anyway, but more times than not, very simple. A rise and grind kind of thing. Right. I wake up every morning at 445, every morning at 445, five o'clock AM on the bad days. I run a 5k, get home, always the same, four eggs, cup of broccoli, glass of water, and I'm in the car and at the office by 6.30. Do I have to? No. Do I ask my boss for, hey, I was, I did 10 to 15 hours of overtime this week. Can I, uh, you know what I mean? It's, that's where I'm learning. Yeah. And the, the, I want to be, I'm putting in work while my competition is sleeping. That's the only inspiration that I pull from the guy down the street. Yeah, I am absolutely. I'm. Listen, maybe I'm cut from a different cloth. Call me an outlier. I don't know. I don't. I don't like titles, but I get euphoric when I'm driving to work in the morning and there's nobody on the road. Yeah. Even better, I, I laugh at myself all the time because I don't necessarily use an alarm clock. 
but it's amazing the feeling that I have when I get to work and I'm like already doing my reports in the morning and then my, my safety alarm goes off. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's set for 620 and I've been at work already yeah. like 40 minutes and I just, I, I actually call me crazy, but I'm talking to my phone. I'm like sucker. I beat you. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, but that's so what makes I, people, not, uh, that's, that's what a lot of people don't understand. It's not a matter of see, see poverty thinking is I ain't working for free. Mm. Right. Mm. Where you just said, I'm working 15 to 18, 20 hours of overtime and I'm not asking for anything because it has nothing to do with my boss. It has everything to do with the choice I'm making. He, they're not asking you to do it. You're doing it because it has something, everything to do with you. They did what they had to do. They gave me a platform in which that I can be a director. Yeah. They've given me a responsibility of seven dealerships. They've yeah. given me employees. They've given me a possibility to be a leader. They've given me the opportunity to change human beings' lives yeah. and make them make them attain heights that they never even thought they can do. How does that not drive somebody? Yeah, it's mindset, man. Mindset makes all the difference. Doesn't matter if it's a BDC yeah, mind- sales leadership. Doesn't matter. Like mindset, if your if your think isn't right, what what do you have? Hundred percent, hundred percent agree with you. And you know what, man? There's a saying that I, I, I like. So managers do things right. Leaders do the right things. Boom. Yeah, you, you, this needs one of these. What do you got? <laughs> totally love that 100 percent. i'm totally putting a button like that in my, you have uh, to. In my office well, hey if it, if it sucked i had one of these too oh wait yeah just in case it but it didn't suck so you got the cheering um you know it, it it's totally true it comes down to this is this has everything to do with the individual and what you're going to build um, you've been, everybody's been given a platform. I don't care if your leader sucks or you think they suck or your coworkers. Suck. What are you going to do? Right. That's what you were talking about. It's 10% what happens to me. 90% how I react. Yeah, man. And this has to do with so many levels of operation. I love this conversation. We've covered so many topics, how to build a BDC, the fact that there is growth inside of dealerships and that they are massive drivers of the economy. Local economies, you know, have a lot to owe to the dealership community. And the fact that when it comes down to it, the brass tacks of all of this is if your mind is in the right place, you have an unlimited opportunity to take this platform and do something with it to achieve your personal definition of success. And of course, that is the purpose of the show. Sean, we could talk about this all day, my man. <laughs> I was just getting warmed up. You're just getting warm. I know. I know. I, I'm getting cooled down now. We're, we're talking like four and a half, five hours sitting in the studio with these lights just blasting through my face. But it's been a, it's been a load of fun, man. How can those listening get in touch with you? Uh, you can hit me up on LinkedIn or uh, you can hit me up on uh, the BDC Alchemist at gmail.com. So the BDC Alchemist at gmail.com. You're the man. Thanks so much for joining me on the Dealer Playbook Podcast.